Dan, can you tell me um, what you had for breakfast yesterday? Yesterday? Uh, what do you think I had for breakfast yesterday? Uh, I reckon ten wheat bix I had four Weetabixes. One to the other six. Weetabix I. Weetabix I. I gave them to a goat. <laughs> Why did you give it to a goat? Because of the Weetabix goat treaty of 1982 <laughs> was it because you um, you went to a war with goats uh, over a week yeah, I, I, yeah me and my family have, it's a bit of a myth actually we have um, basically um, thousands of years ago my ancestors <laughs> um, fought uh, bravely in the battle of have you heard of the battle of Billy battle of Billy the no, battle of Billy no I haven't where the great Billy the great Billy goat Billy the goat Billy the goat yeah Yeah. he um, him and his army of 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 goat men, um, goat men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, half men. They half swore to my farm. My my ancestors had a farm, and they the goats tried to take over the land. So we had a, a it was like a, a good twelve. I think it was like twelve, thirteen years of 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 war. Um, various battles were won, but ultimately um, we uh, we kind of a draw, and then need, lots of died either side. So we now have the goat treaty, which is that um, I have to give goat stuff. And you have to give goats. 60% of your wheat bits to yeah, yeah, I have to give a lot of my wheat bits to it, goats. You didn't Otherwise, win. the goats will um, might rise again. Yeah, might rise again. Well, have you ever tried to fight a goat? Uh, yes. It's quite, they're quite strong, actually. Yeah, they are. They're, you, they've got like quite oblong eyes, so you can kind of catch it at any catch point. Catch it at any point. Because yeah. you can't use guns against them. <laughs> Especially a thousand years ago. No? You can't use guns against a thousand-year-old goat. At your family dinner table, do you reckon they're like uh, um, at Christmas time? So like, uh, thank you for the meal, and thank you for the um, uh, thank you, uh, thank you God for everything. Um, blessed be uh, the non-goat people, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hatred rises. Do they indoctrinate you to hate goats? Yeah, they do. When you go into my house at home, you'll see a big a big painting, and it's like a painting commissioned. Yeah, um, I think I think Constable did it. <laughs> Of like, um, he was commissioned to paint a picture of a thousand year Billy, Billy Goat War. That's a Monet of the Billy Goat War. <laughs> the Billy Goat War, yeah. And uh, on top of that, uh, do you reckon, because, you know, you're caught mo- modern roads in this, um, you know, um, uh, so these big these big families uh, hate each other, you know. Uh, have you ever fallen in love with a goat and done a Romeo and Juliet? Or No, I haven't. Um, but my my sister married a goat. His name is Dave. And then he um, he actually spit out of her and took some of her money. Because you can't trust them, Matt. <laughs> I can't trust them. I didn't know you were a goat racist. <laughs> no, it's just ingrained in me from a young age because of the goat war. Yeah, I'm so, you've got a horrible past experience. Yeah. Um, so that was technically a myth, and that's going to be a bonus episode. <laughs> so let's rate that. Uh, I think life skills, learn how to punch a goat. <laughs> Morals, don't. Uh, trust goats that's what I learned uh, creativity um, it's quite quite an interesting myth yeah, no, goats are really deceptive and my family hates them welcome to myths I'm Matt Hoss and I'm Dan Rhodes whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus if you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest what? what? it's really interesting Welcome to Miss. Welcome to Miss. Hey there, Miss listener. I'm Matt Huss, and I've got a sexy voice today. You have a sexy voice every day, don't you, Matt? Oh, thanks, Dan. Oh, so, uh, yeah, what, what I needed is a compliment to break that spell of her sexy voice. Now it's just kind of nasally and just kind of. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe my voice, Dan? Obviously, the listeners listen to it every single week, and they are very fascinated by my voice. But how how would you describe my voice, Dan? I think you have quite a unique voice. I do, yeah. Because you've got like a twang that's hard to place, and I think it's because you... Living where you live up north, you've got a bit of a Yorkshire twang, but then also a lot of the people you know have quite what I would describe as like a Durham-y Geordie accent. Uh Uh-huh. And then also you spent quite a lot of time down south, so I think yeah. you say certain words quite southern. So I think you've got like a weird yeah. smorgasbord accent. It's very hard to put. If someone said, where, where are you from? I think it'd be very difficult. Yeah, people, are, uh, people usually say Kent, uh, actually. Yeah, but 
Yeah, uh, there's certain words. I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast before, but like there's certain words which have uh, I'll say in Yorkshire, for example. For example, when I worked in McDonald's, uh, you'd have different. Uh, uh, you have to go to different booths and stuff like that. And um, there were and um, I used to work in the drive-through, and I'd always say, "Oh, once I've taken your order at the box, you have to come around." I go, "Can you come around to window one?" Uh, and I always say window as opposed to window. Uh, yeah. Can you go around to window one? Window, window one, please. Uh, uh, and that's that's a, I always say out and now as well. So um, do you know what they mean? No. You don't know what out and out means. Um, out and out, as in like he's out, out and out. No, as in like uh, he's not out and out. Like out means everything, and now means nothing. So have you been up too much today? Uh, have you been out? Uh, have you been up too much? Have you been up to? You can say nout. I mean, up to nout. Or oh, I, out means it a lot. That's that's Yorkshire dialect. <laughs> no. I have poorly explained that. <laughs> I said, uh, I've had, I've got nout for dinner. Have you got out? I've got nout. Okay, oh, out. I see. So I understand the word out, nout. Like I've got nout meaning nothing. But yeah. I don't. I don't understand the yeah. Why have you got it? out? Have you got out? Have you like? You know, have you got lots? Yeah. Okay, that's quite good. Have you got out for dinner? Nout. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But no, that's how I describe Wrexham. Yeah, actually. A muddled, unidentified smorgasbord. Well, actually, I find this interesting, because um, um, when I was in Edinburgh, people... Um, uh, I, I, I always have this conversation, where do you think I'm from? Because when I'm in the north, people think I'm southern. Uh, when I'm in the south, everyone thinks I'm northern. That's what I mean, you um, like, in between no man's land. Yeah, and uh, but then again, in Edinburgh, everyone thought they couldn't really place me, if you know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. I th- and I wrote a whole show about not really knowing who I am. I, I, the last show I wrote was called uh, A Horse With No Name, which I'm doing at French next year. Um, and it's a show trying try to figure out who I am and who, whereabouts I am, because I feel like I'm a nowhere man a lot of times. Well, if some of the revelations you've given me on this podcast are going to go, well, I really think you've got a lot of, a lot of searching to do. <laughs> oh, too true, Dan, too true. Uh, Speaking uh, of French, Matt, yes. I've got... Uh, piece of paper here from last week explain what happened last week Dan last week Matt came back from Fringe no whapping sorry sorry Uh, Matt came back from the Fringe and he brought with me just loads of titles for like prompt stories he's made yeah well stories stories which happened to him and for the next few weeks we're going to have to like get through some of these so get through uh, we have to get through so we got through a few interesting stories we got through a few of them yesterday about your crack down venue uh, uh, last week, going on a date. Last, last week, Dan. Oh, sorry. Pretend that's it. Okay, pretend we do it every week. Um, I'm gonna pick one, Matt. Okay. Because we've got a big myth coming up today, so I don't wanna. We don't wanna ruin our. We don't wanna ruin our uh, dinner. You know. We don't wanna ruin our dinner. We don't wanna spend too long. Okay, this is very Matt Hoss. Guns and Roses, alone in a room. <laughs> yes, this is one of my favourite uh, uh, stories of the Fringe, actually. Um, where. <laughs> Right, so I did a two-hand show with a guy called Nigel, and uh, um, let's, uh, let's say we did it quite last minute, so midweek, uh, we had four rooms on the weekends, Thursday to Sunday, midweek we struggled, Wednesday was fine, Monday and Tuesday were difficult, we had to pull a couple, and on one of the Mondays, towards the end of the Fringe, I, I, we had no audience members, and also Nigel didn't turn up that day, uh, for, I don't know why, but he didn't turn up, uh, so I was literally got... Uh, by myself in a room and at this point I was a bit like tired had a big fringe brain I was a bit crazy and I was like oh I should probably go home but I've also got this room for an hour and you know I need to cheer myself up a bit and how can I cheer myself up and because I had like a, a bluetooth speaker and what I did and I just closed the door of the room where, where no one sat there as well and just got the microphone started playing the entirety of Appetite for Destruction and just sang karaoke the whole time Just so I just pranced around the room for the whole hour just singing the entirety of Appetite for Destruction and I think it was the greatest piece of performance art I've ever done in my life it was great uh, I had such a good, it's honestly one of the best shows I've ever done at the Fringe you know I mean I smashed it mate I loved like no one was there to see it but oh, I was excellent so you had the room booked and you were meant to do a performance in it but because zero people turned up I decided to Usually you just cancel it and go home. But what I'd say... You're like, hey, I've got this room. I'd just use it for karaoke. Uh, but for the entirety of Appetite Destruction, but with extra flair. And I kind of, like, I, I even jumped on some chairs for a bit and really got into Paradise City as well. So, uh, 
I actually really hurt my voice afterwards because I was screaming quite loud and the people next door were like did you were you listening to Guns N' Roses for the whole hour I was like I wasn't just listening I was Guns N' Roses for the whole hour <laughs> well, would you like another story yeah did you enjoy that I did enjoy that that's a very much hostile thing to do it is a very much hostile thing to do and I was actually thinking next year at the Fringe, I'm going to do that again, but invite people along, like a one-off show where I just... Like actual performance art? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge the audience, I'm just going to do the entirety of it. Um, I am also very tempted to write a whole show about Guns N' Roses, but uh, I'm not sure who would come to that. Uh, the next one we're going to do is also very Matt Hoss. Well, the whole list is technically very Matt Hoss. That's but... true, that's true. Um, this is just entitled, Comedian, I'm so sad... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Need we say more that you're a comedian and you're always sad? No, alright. Or that you're a sad comedian? I'm actually gonna. Or that your comedy is sad? No, actually... or that you're sad that you're a comedian? Well, none of that actually. You're reading too much into it. Is that right? This actually is gonna take up two stories actually, because um, I'm gonna include some else. So the night before our hand, um, it was the second time I got drunk. And when we went out with my friend Josh, and uh, we got very, very drunk again. Um, Weird stuff happened, but I'll tell you that another time. Uh, yeah, and the next morning I was super hungover. Like uh, it was a Monday. I, in fact, I think actually uh, it's the same Monday where I did the Guns and Roses gig. So I felt a bit ill and sad. So I decided to do the. So I was really hungover in the morning, and in the morning I had to fly up for someone called um, Daniel Ward. And what happened is that I, I, it's mid like about three weeks in. I'm pretty tired and kind of run down, and I'm flying right. And then someone kind of taps me on the shoulder and goes, Matt. Matt, is that you? And I realised it was a a, a person. Uh, what this person? It was a, it was a person. It was a, it was a person. Oh Dan. my goodness! Imagine that the fringe. Imagine uh, it was a dirty ass goat. <laughs> 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 um, um, what had happened was um, uh, it was a, a person called Heather, and this person was uh, she was my first ever uh, like uh, school love, like the person I like I properly into right. And, Did not uh, meet Heather. What? No, no, he didn't meet Haley. Haley, that's yeah. the one I met. Um, Heather, um, uh, obviously, we're, we're obviously um, this person and I are really good friends now. Uh, well, I haven't seen each other for a while, but it's nice to kind of catch up. But her boyfriend was there as well. But like, I was severely hungover. Like I was like I was so hungover that I saw them, and I was like, I just couldn't understand. Like there's a real person from my real life there. It's like. Well, you're not supposed to be here. You're not a fringe person. No, I don't. And uh, and I was so hungover, I could barely keep, like, put a sentence together. I was like, oh, oh. and he saw me as a shivering wreck. If you know what I mean? It's like, and Heather was trying to explain to her boyfriend called Craig, going, "Oh, Matt's a comedian. He's doing a show here." And I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" And I'm just an absolute wreck. It was funny. It was a nice moment, but they saw me at the worst possible moment. I felt quite guilty. And. I did the most awkward thing good, as a goodbye. Um, and they went off to see Japanese drumming. I think they left the conversation early because I was not in a good way. <laughs> so I hooked my first crush. Uh, and then um, and then I decided... Because me and the boyfriend had a bit of a laugh, so I gave him a hug as well. But the issue is I hooked him for too long as well. <laughs> I, I stayed there. And I, to the point of... He was like... He's uh, never met you before. Never met no. him before. And uh, I, I think some residual feelings came out. So, <laughs> and... Uh, and then Heather had to tap me on the shoulder and goes, um, do you want to let go of him, Matt? I was like, no, I need this more than you do. So <laughs> and after that, uh, I had to go and do a comedy gig. And uh, this is where the second story comes in. Uh, so I did the hung- <laughs> I was really hungover. Uh, and it's the first time I'd probably done a show hungover as well. And I was like, I decided to kind of, it was a weird gig, right? It was a super weird gig. And I decided to do quite a free-form kind of comedy. And it really worked. It, I, but the, a couple of, the first act done was this quite new act. And um, he was very sweet. But uh, it, it was quite a hard room to play. And on Monday, everyone was kind of separated out. And that's why I did quite free-form, because it was quite a difficult room. So I um, this this guy went on and he didn't know how to deal with it he did, he did his jokes he tried to be quite a trumped up person but he got nothing from the audience and uh, the, my favourite part the whole fringe my favourite part is uh, <laughs> he uh, he just uh, he does it tells his joke got nothing he sighs he moves the microphone away but I can still hear him and he just goes I'm so sad <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny <laughs> Because <laughs> he didn't even say it as a joke. He's just—he's like, oh, I'm so sad. 
<laughs> Did he move for it to come out of the, the <laughs> microphone? No, well, he, I, no one else heard it. I heard yeah. it. And I go, That's so funny. <laughs> I laughed so much and, and I was hung over as well. I was just like, this is fucking funny, man. <laughs> but then he thought I was laughing at him. I was like, no, that's not okay. I just thought, well, a bit. But like, you, you were really funny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just such a beautiful, but such an endearing moment as well. So that is the story. So not me being so sad, because I'm fucking amazing. It was someone else being sad. Although I was sad that I was hungover. Yes, so. yeah. Oh, weird day. Weird day. Shall we do a myth? Yeah, sounds good. Let's crack on. Hey there, my name's Matt Huss, and in this link I have an American accent, and I advocate the safe use of myths podcasts. In small doses. Dan, that's the final time I'm going to tell you, no more whapping on this podcast, okay. please. Right? Because I heard, like, you stayed over last night, and I heard some whapping in the room above, and, uh, you know, I, I, I apparently it was off the podcast. I'm a, I'm a night whapper. You're a night whapper. I'm a yeah. night whapper. Oh, well, you know, just to make sure... I love the you hear, like, a noise. Like, Dan! Dan. Take a broomstick. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the, what the hell is that? You approach the door, open the door, it's just me asleep going... Whap, 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 <laughs> Dirty boy. And I'm actually really weird. Like the fact that I make these weird noises on yeah, our podcast. You do it quite often yeah. as well. I don't know why. I'm such a weirdo. I think because oh, you have so nothing sad. to say, so you whack instead. Yeah, I have nothing to say, so I just feel, the, I just feel obligated to make a weird noise. Because I look at you longingly, because I'll say something, and then you... I think that's also why you do the trumpet as well, because uh, you, uh, you're like, I've got nothing to say, so I'll make a noise. Yeah, basically. But it's like, I, I have one or two noises. <laughs> <laughs> I only have a repertoire of two noises. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Dan, what myth are we doing today? We're going to do Agamemnon. Yes. Agamemnon. And, and this is part one. I'm going to sing it every time his name comes up. Okay. I'm not going to sing it every time do his it, name no, comes up. It. His name's going to come up a lot. No, it's golden face all over again. Uh, so what, how are we going to sing it, Dan? I'm not going to do it because really, his name is going to come up a crazy amount of can times. I, can I do it in like a, like a Morrissey kind of way, though? Agamemnon. Yeah, I do feel like we're going to lose listeners. If well, we haven't already. If they ha- Mate, they fucking listen to you eat 800 <laughs> Weetabix in a single episode. If that hasn't perturbed them, I don't know if me singing's going to. <laughs> um, now, we're going to do the myth of uh, Agamemnon. But this is part of the Oristias uh, series, isn't it? It is. So this is part one of that series, and um, yeah, we, we plan to do uh, three parts, but it could be either longer or shorter. Now, who is Agamemnon, Matt? We should know who he is, if you've been listening to our Trojan War episodes. Yeah, because this is obviously the first of the spin-off of the Troy, what happened after and during Troy. So it's still kind of related. And uh, we talked about Agamemnon because he was the kind of the leader of the charge against getting Helen. He was the leader of the Greeks in, in the battlefront um, yes. uh, in the kids. Against the war in Troy, uh, he was, and uh, he had a bit old tiff with a uh, tiff old. Uh, he's kind of like uh, the guy who kind of got the motor running for the uh, the Greeks, so to speak. He's it is the general, and he had uh, runnings with Achilles as well, yeah. and he uh, also had running with his own family. As yes, well. he has quite an interesting life himself. Now there is going to be a lot of crossover in this myth, isn't there, Matt? Yes, because um, obviously, inevitably. For ten years of his story is the Battle of Troy. Yeah, but it's interesting to know because we focused more on Achilles and that and the kind of battle battle of what was going on in mm-hmm. terms of Troy. We actually didn't really, we actually didn't know much about what Agamemnon was doing during all this time, right? So we're going to take a bit of a dive and delve into uh, um, Agamemnon's side to it, and we're also um, a bit of clarification. It's um, the Oristia, uh, just to explain what that is as well. Um, there's a, a Greek tragedy playwriter called uh, uh, Aeschylus, and he's kind of an old-school writer, and he wrote The, the Oristia, which is a three-part uh, kind of uh, tragedy trilogy. And part one is um, it's the latter half of this myth. We don't hear, we don't hear about the, the earlier part, but we're gonna we're gonna just give the details. But the latter half is where we're gonna do a bit of a bio today. Yeah, but uh, we'll give you the, uh, the the play when it comes into the action as well. All right, ready to rock, Dan? I'm ready to rock. Okay. <clears throat> Here's part one of the Oristia, Agamemnon. King Atreus of Mycenae, having a serious feud with his brother, Thestes. Is that Thyestes? I'm going to go with Thyestes. I like Thyestes sounds... Thyestes. sounds... Thyestes. It's quite a cool name. Thyestes. It sounds like he could be a gang leader in prison. Yeah. Thyestes. You got the drugs, Thyestes? Man, I always got drugs. I don't know why I did that. No. King Atreus of Mycenae, having a serious feud with his brother Thyestes, decided to arrest him. 
For this purpose, he sent his sons, Agamemnon and Menelaus, to seize Phaestes in Delphi and bring him to Mycenae. So we already should know that Agamemnon and Menelaus are brothers, because Menelaus was married to Helen, who got stolen by Paris, and started the Trojan War. And Agamemnon is married to Clytemnestra, and they kind of double date with sisters. They do, yeah. While Phaestes was in prison, Atreus conspired to murder him, but having made false judgments, he was himself killed and Thyestes succeeded him on the throne. As a result, Atreus' sons, Agamemnon and Menelaus, went into exile. So Menelaus and Agamemnon's dad is the king. He's tried to kill his brother. Who was in prison. Who was in prison. It's completely messed it up. Yeah. He's ended up dying, and now his, and now his brother, i.e. Agamemnon and Menelaus' uncle, is now taken over and exiled them. So yes. it's kind of all failed. Um, also, it's nice to say he got him into prison... And then he tried to kill him as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> surely the prison's fine. And how bad do you have to be at your job to try and murder someone whilst they're in prison and, and get murdered yourself? He's really messed that up. Like, he is terrible. So Agamemnon and Menelaus have to leave. Um, uh, I assume they're relatively long, young at this point. I'm assuming they're like not... <laughs> they're 42. Yeah. <laughs> and also, how did Thyestes get on the throne when he's in prison as well really just well something's obviously I mean it doesn't say but it says like he's uh, having made false judgments so I'm sure I'm sure some, someone's been cons- somewhere he's conspired and had a plan and mm. it's obviously worked for him do you think he did a prison break I reckon yeah he broke out of prison and then sat on the throne at first Agamemnon and Menelaus stayed with King Polyphides of Sicyon but later they were received uh, in Aetolia by Oneus King of Caledon and not long afterwards, when they thought the time was right to dethrone Mycenae's hostile ruler, they returned, and with the help of King Tyndareus of Sparta, they drove King Thyestes away to um, Cythera, an island of the southern coast. Wow, that was a, a lot, lot of words in that. <laughs> Can you do that one again? Uh, um, uh, it's a lot, lot of words there. And, uh, Let's simplify this without using the names, without using those long-ass names. Basically, stay So basically, they stayed with the king... Uh, called uh, Polyphides, and then they ended up going to um, a place called Etolia, where they stayed with another king called Ionius, and then after that, they were a bit older, and they decided they were now old enough to go back home to Mycenae and kill their uncle. And, with their... Uh, and they had the help of the king of Sparta, and then they managed to... Uh, yeah, they worked. They drove their uncle away, and he's now on an island in the middle of nowhere. It's like they didn't kill him as well, because usually they always kill kings, but they just... Uh, you are going to retire on a little island. Do you reckon Cythera is actually like a really nice like retirement village? It's just like a nice resort. <laughs> yeah. Off the coast of Spain. And they uh, get Spain? Uh, Greece. They get like 10 daily mails delivered every day yeah. and they always shout, get off my porch. So they've kind of been like, not f- like fostered basically by various kings, haven't they? Yeah. Until they were old enough to go back and, and dethrone their, their, their uncle. And I guess that's also going to be very important for how they... They're uh, well, how, well, that, but also how they behave as kings as well, because they're around so many different kings, and they learn how to behave in um, many different ways, I guess. They've probably yeah. had a lot of influences, haven't yes. they? Yeah. yeah. When they had seized power, the Atreides... Is it Atreides? I think Atreides is, um, is the term it? used to describe okay. um, both like the brothers, basically. Oh, gotcha. Because it's like son of yeah. Atreus. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. When they seized power, the Atreides married the daughters of Tyndareus. Agamemnon married Clytemnestra and became king of Mycenae, and Menelaus, having married Helen, became king of Sparta. So that's worked out for them. Yeah, nice old uh, lads on tour, you know, double dating. Uh, when Tyndareus died, however, Clytemnestra, whilst still being a virgin, had already been given in marriage to Tantalus, the son of Phaestes, and was mother of a child. Wait, what? Wait, she was mother of a child, but also a virgin. Have I read that right? It's just like... I get the impression reading that Clytemestra, while stealing a virgin, had already been given to marriage in Tantalus. As in, when she was a virgin, she was given to Tantalus. Oh, I since gotcha. she got pregnant, and now has been given to Agamemnon. I thought it was like a miracle baby. Yeah. Kind of, Zeus has done some like more like jizzing. No, I don't yeah. think it's a Mary kind of thing. I think... <clears throat> Basically, she's already she's already been knocked up whilst, before she's been given to um, to Agamemnon. And um, where do we know Tantalus from? Tantalus is the guy that uh, was banished to wherever the mountain's called, where he gets the name tantalising because he was 
forced to be hungry and thirsty, but every time he went to drink, it disappeared, and yeah. every time he went to eat the fruit, it disappeared. That was in the Underworld, wasn't it? That was uh, in, in uh, Tart- Tartarus. Tartarus, it? that's it, Tartarus. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't realise he was the son of Thirsty's. That's interesting. I didn't know. See, that, again, I like how we, we add more characters to the mix. All well. these characters are all related somehow in these Greek mythologies. Um, this is why uh, Agamemnon could only marry her after killing her husband Tantalus, along with their child. <laughs> along with their child, a crime Clytemnestra did not forget. So Agamemnon's been married to Clytemnestra. She's already pregnant. So he's like, "Well, there's only one thing I can do. I'll kill her ex-husband Tantalus and then kill the child." Yeah. Oh, a great way to start a marriage. I mean, that is an awful first date. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad first date. Where did you go? Went to the killing field. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's almost very like male lion pride. You know how they like a male lion when they take over a pride will like kill the children. No, that I didn't, were, I didn't yeah, know they that. Will kill the offspring, the cubs oh. that were made from the the other males, so they can like want have one hundred percent their own. Lineage in the prize. Wow, it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's like a bit, he'd rather kill the child and be a stepdad. It's pretty messed up. Well, same in my family. Uh, <laughs> also, like you know how I have Matt's mythology corner. I have Dan's zoology corner. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. <laughs> that, I didn't realise until yeah, very recently. Fantasy side's massive in, in lines. And leopards do it too. Do they? Yeah. Like I only realised recently that Dan's really, really clever when it comes to animals. And I love animals. animals. Yeah. What's your favourite animal? Apart from me. Probably top three. Top three. Oh, we already did this, haven't we? Uh, we already did this in the previous episode. So mine was foxes and you disagreed with that. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? What the yeah. foxes? You, you, you said you went for eagle. I went for one. Yeah, eagle, polar bear, duck or platypus. They're probably my yeah, yeah, yeah. big three. Because I remember saying, oh, yeah, that was very manly. And you're like, duck or platypus? <laughs> yeah. Which is the most manly of all. Uh, yeah. um, fine, what's your, what's your least favourite animals? Least favourite animals? Don't say me. Probably something like a pigeon. Yeah, I can see that. Is it just because they're... Why, why do you hate pigeons? I just think they're everywhere, aren't they? The novelty isn't there for me to be like, oh, interesting. So you only like novelty things? Yeah, maybe things that um, are just a bit like, meh. To me, a pigeon is just... I mean, maybe it's because they're everywhere. They're not as exciting to me. They don't have any uh, any features that I would... But maybe because they're everywhere, that's their interesting thing. It is interesting. They're like a city bird, like, like the cockney of the sky. Yeah. They are impressively... Pigeons are um, impressively um, good movers in the air, though. Yeah. They're like... Did you know, like, a peregrine falcon is the fastest... Obviously, it's the fastest animal. Obviously. We all knew that, you know. Um, all of us tune in. We all, we all knew yeah, that. Yeah, obviously, a peregrine falcon, fastest living... I think it's actually... Well, this is the fastest animal. I know it's a bird, so it can fly um, something stupid like 240 kilometres an hour, um, which... Is obviously much faster than a pigeon. However, a pigeon is much better at moving. So, in a tight space, one on one, a pigeon will outbeat a falcon because of, it can be darting and moving. So that's why a falcon had to develop to be really quick so that they could like okay. straight line it. Yeah. Right, guys. Right, you couldn't see my face during that, but I was <laughs> genuinely fucking befuddled. Uh, like Dan knows these facts, like two hundred and forty kilometers an hour. What the fuck, dude? Like, like what that's do you pretty spend, accurate too. What do you spend your time? That that can't be true. You must be making that up. Google that right now. I will Google it because I don't fucking believe you. Like, Urban Falcon can fly two hundred and forty kilometers an hour. That's a fact. How fast? Just Google Peregrine Falcon, I'm sure it will come up. How about Peregrine? There it goes. Show him Peregrine Falcon facts. Is that, that's how it looks. Wait, speed. Oh, it's more. 390. No, maybe it's 240 miles per hour, sorry. Not kilometers an hour. Yeah, you fucking loser. Right. Right, actually, I'm going to test you on the Peregrine Falcon, okay? I don't know that much about Peregrine Falcons. Well, let's just have a, let's have a quick quiz. <laughs> let's take a break in the podcast for a quick Peregrine Falcon quiz, okay? <laughs> I just feel like I know a lot about a lot of animals, but I don't know, like, a lot about one animal. But, but, I, but my point is, is that I think it's very fascinating that you know all these things yeah. about Also, them. it's definitely 240 miles per hour, not kilometres per hour. Yeah. My bad. Amateur, uh, metric, you Sorry, got, amateur hour over here. You got, you got scored by Imperial. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll ask you a quick, quick thing. Look away for a sec. Okay. What What is the weight of a peregrine falcon? I don't know the bloody weight of a peregrine falcon, Matt. Have a guess. <sighs> it's got to be less than a kilo, hasn't it? Because they're so light. Well. Um. Oh, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Eight hundred grams. 
Well, I only give you that because it says weight 600 to uh, 600 grams to uh, 1300. So that's bang on the middle. So oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> wingspan. Oh, a wingspan of a peregrine falcon. I have seen them before. What? This is missed, by the way. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, wingspan of a peregrine falcon. But, um, oh, bloody. Well, I'm actually going to do this quite. I'm going to have to do this accurately. Um, probably. <laughs> Wait. Make sure it's not imperial. Well, then. I'm thinking probably like 30, 30 centimeters either side. Plus, it's like its back area. That's, I don't know, 80 to 100 centimetres? Well, what are you saying? 80 centimetres. The wingspan of a peregrine falcon, <laughs> which is the most Alan Partridge phrase I've ever said. The wingspan of a peregrine falcon is 95 to 150 <laughs> centimetres. That's not bad. That's, that's not bad. And what's the length? The height? The length of a falcon. Length. Do you mean height? Like how tall it is when it stands up? Yeah, but it says length, so... Um, probably about 60 centimetres. Um, it's 39 to 50 centimetres. Oh, okay, so it's much smaller than I thought it was. And how many, uh, population, UK breeding, how many pairs? How many pet like breeding pairs of peregrine falcons are there in the UK? You know that I'm working on very limited knowledge here. Uh, um, bloody hell. Well, actually, they're, I don't think they're in danger, but they, there's certainly a lot, in, they live in Scotland, don't they, up in the Hebrides and stuff, so... Probably, I'm thinking like one to, almost 3,000 seems like quite a lot. 2,000. Uh, 1,500. Oh, bloody hell, that's not bad. That's all right. Can I look away? I'm going to look away. Uh, well, sorry, I'll, I'll go back onto it. I don't think these facts are correct, though. But, uh, yeah, uh, there you go. There's... Well, this was a weird break from... Um... Can you just do me a favour? Please Google what 390 kilometres an hour is in, major, in miles per hour. Okay. Because if it's 240, then I, I, just need, I just need to know that it was 240. So, what would That's miles... No, you need miles per hour to kilometres an hour. This is miles to kilometres. So, there what, we go. What, 240? Yeah, two, 240. See, hopefully it's 390. Oh. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Oh, mate. I think I was right. Well, you did get the wrong... Wrong, wrong measurement, but I knew it was 240 kilometres an hour or miles per hour, but I'm sorry that I got that wrong. Also, the Latin name... I was right there. For... Oh. The Latin name for a peregrine falcon, do you know what it is? Oh, no. It's the coolest fucking name ever. Falco Peregrinus. That's pretty cool. That's the scientific name. That's pretty cool. All right. Back to Agamemnon. I said 240 kilometers an hour and it's actually 240 miles per hour that's kind of annoyed me but I like that you know stuff and, and yesterday Dan was showing me pictures of people being eaten by piranhas as well I said so. about piranhas anyway um, do you know who also died by piranhas Tantalus <laughs> <laughs> nice segue yeah. so just because that went off massively uh, how did we get onto yeah, that so what's happened again oh yeah he's just killed he's been married off to Clytemnestra he's now the son of Mycenae and his brother Menelaus is the, is the king of Sparta. They've been married off to two sisters, Clytemnestra and Helen, who we should remember is um, were both born out of a swan. And, well, uh, ha- Zeus as a swan. One of them was born out of an egg, one of them wasn't. Yeah, um, basically Zeus as a swan slept with their mum, right? Yeah, laid in the swan. Yeah, laid in the swan. Um, and in the meantime, Agamemnon has been given um, a wife, Clytemnestra, but she was already pregnant with Tantalus's baby, so he has killed the baby and Tantalus. And the, the wingspan of a very falcon <laughs> is a lot. Uh, 95 centimetres-ish. Anyway, some myths claim that Tantalus was actually killed as an infant, not by Agamemnon, but by Atreus, and served to his father Theseus at a banquet, and that his bones were kept in the vessel at Argos. In any case, the bloody tradition of Agamemnon's family is consistent with the Pythian priestess's words that punishment also comes upon the descendants of the sinner Pelopides. Pelopides. Now, this, now we know about Pelops, don't we? A from little the, background on him from a few, quite a few weeks ago. Back in the, the wonder years of episode 19. Um, basically, uh, he got cursed because uh, he uh, done one over on uh, that guy. Trying to steal that, his girlfriend back. Yes, yeah. And basically he put a curse on the whole family for a long time. And, and he said, all of your generations and generations to come of your family will yeah. be cursed with... Terrible things, and uh, and so far it's coming true. You know, it's quite a bloody end. Yeah. And, uh, and Agamemnon is a descendant of yeah. yeah. Pelops had a bloody end, and so will um, and we'll see what happens yeah. then. So that's quite grim, though. Being that served your son at a banquet as well, because that shows that um, Atreus is pretty messed up as well. Right, so that whole his, family. Yeah, his, his their dad's also a bit whoop whoop. 
no wafeng to him. Sometime later, Menelaus learned, while he was in Crete, that the Trojan seducer Paris had stolen his wife Helen and, married, and many treasures besides. As soon as he could, Menelaus met his brother Agamemnon and Mycenae, and together they decided to raise an army against Troy. We know about okay. this. So, a couple of things we didn't know, though. Um, like, I like how Menelaus, obviously married to Helen, he, he was in Crete, but he learned sometime later that, oh wait, my wife's just been stolen. And, oh my god, I can't believe this. My treasures are gone too. That wasn't part of the agreement in Paris. So that, uh, also, part of the, the judgment of Paris, uh, Aphrodite helped Paris uh, steal Helen away. However, it doesn't sound that hard if he's away at Crete, Crete having, uh, yeah. having a banquet with King Minos. So, I assume Paris just strolled into Sparta. Yeah. Hey, Helen, how are you? Let's leave. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, Menelaus is chilling on the beach with on the King, beach uh, King, King Minus. Yeah, yeah. with a co- cocktail. Yeah. Uh, I'll be Menelaus. Um, oh, it's a lovely, lovely beach you have down here. Oh, have you Skyped, uh, have you Skyped Helen recently? That's, uh, that's not his voice, Dan. You, you know for sure that's what, not Agamemnon. King, King Minus's voice. Because, you know, he's in Crete. Oh, that's true. He's in Crete. Can... Okay, sorry. It's a go again. <coughs> oh, oh, it's nice. Thanks for having this week away, uh, King Minus. Have you Skyped your wench, <laughs> Helen? <laughs> How is she doing over in Sparta whilst you're here, holiday in the beautiful island of Crete? Did you just Dan Rose's leg on the train recently? <laughs> oh god, I best check on her actually. Yeah. Oh shit, she's gone. Oh uh, my goodness! And Paris took the gold as well. Well, that I love gold. <laughs> uh, where's your daughter, by the way? She's in a labyrinth. Shut the fuck up. Actually, she's on Peterborough services. She's in Peterborough services. Ah, <laughs> uh, in the trout. <laughs> okay. However, the mighty fleet could not sail because of bad weather, and as impatience grew in the army, this seer, Colchis, he always pops around, didn't well, he, Colchis? As you might remember, Colchis was the guy that, uh, he also, he helped the plan of uh, the Trojan War. Because he, um, Simon, the Greek, was, uh, uh, he said that Colchis um, saw that it was a bad plan, and he, he's kind of the, the, the Fortune teller. The soothsayer. The soothsayer, yeah. The seer Colchis found the remedy to this inconvenience. He declared that they would be able to sail to Troy only if Agamemnon sacrificed his daughter... Iphigenia. Iphigenia? Iphigenia. Iphigenia to Artemis. And if he did, they would also take the city of Troy. But if he did not, they would neither sail nor sack the city. So, they can't leave... uh, Because of bad weather. Yeah, and... um, They've been waiting around for a while, so... Um, I love the idea of that, the comedy moment where they're all like, To Troy! In seven to ten days, when the weather's better. When the overcast list, you know. <laughs> uh, it's bad weather, you know. It'd be funny if it's not even that bad weather, it's just a bit mild. It's like, yeah. a bit humid today, let's not leave, you know. Um, so, the only way that they could... Uh, apparently, they can... Um, to sail is human sacrifice because Agamemnon was like, yeah, let's go and get let's get Menelaus's wife back because you know we all agreed to it, uh, but you do have to sacrifice your daughter. Maybe just write her a letter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... Colchis the seer assumed that Artemis was angry at Agamemnon because he had said once upon a time on shooting a deer that the goddess herself could not have done it better and also because Agamemnon's father Atreus had not sacrificed to her a certain golden lamb this is another um, example of uh, God being very petty uh, if you yeah. know what I mean so Colchis is saying that's the reason why the bad, there's bad weather because the gods aren't, didn't like that Agamemnon yeah. boasted that he could kill a deer like she could yeah and, uh, yeah, think... and that his father had forgotten to sacrifice something so it's we see quite they don't let things go, do they? That Agamemnon's quite impious as well. He's very much a man of his own wealth and taste, if you know what I mean. So he very much he doesn't really care that much about the gods, but he will kowtow to them if needs be. Yeah. Agamemnon is said to have thought of disbanding the army, for even if the ruler could accept the price, the father in him could not. But Menelaus, eager to be avenged and to have his own wife and property restored, persuaded his brother to become the murderer of his own daughter. So Agamemnon sent a deceitful letter to Clytemnestra, his wife, and their own child, asking them to come and join him in Alias, a- yeah. where Ephigenia, he said, was going to be given to ma- in marriage to Achilles. Ooh. However, Achilles himself was not aware of the way the king was using his name, for the lie was only known by Agamemnon, Menelaus, Colchis, and Odysseus. It's always Odysseus, isn't it? So there's quite a lot going on there, Matt. Yeah, so basically... Um, Agamemnon 
is doesn't want to kill his daughter, but he's thinking of a plan of how to make it okay, and he's lowering her and uh, Clytemestra because he knows that like, Clytemestra is not going to be on board with this. What, killing their kid? Yeah, because this is number two. You know, <laughs> yeah, like uh, so they're going to try and pretend that they're going to make up a story about how she's going to be married to Achilles, and they're using his name because they know that she'll be like, "Ooh, Achilles!" And like, if is like a thirteen-year-old girl, so she's like, "Ooh." God. Like she's fangirling, like yeah. oh god, she's so hard. There is something quite heartbreaking here about how Agamemnon. It seems quite quickly was like, yeah, don't worry, I'm not going to kill my daughter. Forget Troy, but it's his brother. His Menelaus is actually like, hey mate, we have a deal. Um, Brought for dead hoes. Yeah, and <laughs> dead do you know that's a little bit sad though that he's being forced by these by Menelaus to kill his daughter. Either way, his family hates him. If you know what I mean. Yes, but then again, he's still doing a treacherous thing though. He's not a noble guy. You no, know what I mean, I think he. Um, also, the fact that if he chooses to do this, he's, he knows he's going to spend the next 10 years away. Uh, so he kind of wants to abandon his guilt as well. Yeah. So I'm not saying... Just bear that in mind for the future yeah. as well. Lord by the master of their own house, i.e. Agamemnon, Clytemnestra and Ephigenia come to Aeolus, where murder awaited the young girl. Some have said that this was a very serious dilemma that Agamemnon had to solve, for it is never easy to commit great crimes. Nevertheless, the king in him prevailed over the father. So it's his king, the part of him that's a ruler, yeah, is yeah. like, I'm going to kill my daughter. But the part of him that's a father was put aside. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, from my recollection... Um, so she's turned up thinking she's about to get married to Achilles, and actually what's happened is her dad's murdered her. They're actually on, um, they're at like a, a big, like on top of like a, they're, they're near the ships as well. So they're about to, they get her on a rock and they... Um, and then Iphigenia was sacrificed. They sacrificed her on the rock, and it's a very painful and gruesome thing. Uh, and uh, but this is the thing: this human sacrifice was apparently needed to appease Artemis's and let the weather subside. Yeah. Yes. So instantly, Iphigenia was sacrificed, and if Calchas the seer is to be believed, the fleet could sail from Aeolus to Troy thanks to that deed. But Clytemnestra never forgave her. Uh, for the loss of her daughter. This is two kids that he's killed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then he, he, they left pretty much straight away. Yeah. Well. He's like, bye! <laughs> uh, uh, you know, if you want to clean it up, that'd be lovely. But I'll <laughs> see you in ten years. Uh, so this is awesome. So, so he's worked. He's murdered his daughter. Weather subsided. Yeah. They can sail to Troy. However, there's an alternate version, um, which is a slightly nicer version. <clears throat> Yet it is told that when Iphigenia was about to be sacrificed in Aeolus... She vanished, being saved by Artemis, who substituted her for a deer at the altar and transported her to Taurus. Later, while being a priestess of Artemis in Taurus, Iphigenia saved her brother Orestes' life. Now, Orestes is going to be important later on. He is the, well, the, I've assumed, the, the son of Agamemnon. So, they, um, Agamemnon and Clytemnestra had three kids. There's Orestes, who is the son. Uh, there's um, Iphigenia, who was sacrificed. And Electra. Electra. So, so, two daughters and a son. Yeah. Uh, Iphigenia, who has also been said to made, be made immortal by the goddess, was not, according to some, uh, the daughter of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, but of Theseus and Helen. Oh, Theseus. Whoa, 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 Theseus. whoa, 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 That was a curveball. Uh, Theseus, a dirty dog. Yeah. So he got, like, so Helen is kind of like, you know, uh, she, she's had quite a few boyfriends in the past, hasn't yeah. she? You know, uh, I don't know if Theseus, like, uh, sleeps around. Yeah. But he did that in Peter services. Yeah, That's did. why he left Ariadne. So I've got, I've got Max on Tinder with this hot bird called Helen. You know, yeah. Wow, she's pretty, pretty fit. Um, they assert that when Helen was restored to Sparta by uh, the Dioscuri, um, I believe that's um, both Agamemnon uh, and Menelaus, she took with her Iphigenia, uh, Iphigenia and gave to her Clytemnestra to be brought up as the latter's daughter. So Helen, um, uh, in this... Alternate story. Iphigenia was raised by Helen uh, as her own daughter, but it, it's a rumour that they're mother and daughter, but I think it's probably just stepmom and stepdaughter as well. Yes. Or, if the main story is to be believed, actually she is the the, the, the daughter of Agamemnon and Clytemestra, and it actually she was actually properly murdered. She wasn't substituted for a deer. Yeah. So, we already know in the future, this, this is what happens in it. Um, after, after the war for Menelaus, he goes back to um, Sparta with um, Helen as well. So... So, um, and as we know, we've kind of talked about this in the past. Um, so, Agamemnon leaves with all the troops, and it's 10 years uh, for the Trojan War. Well. And we know about that from the Achilles. Yeah. As we mentioned, we've already done this part um, in the previous podcast, but this is from Agamemnon's point of view. Take it away, Dan. In the 10th year of the Trojan War, so the last year, Agamemnon captured 
Chryseis, 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 daughter of Chryses, a priest of Apollo, and intended to keep the girl as a prize, take her home, and turn her into both a slave and a concubine. Chryses, a loving father, if compared to that of the king, came then to see Agamemnon and, having blessed the whole army, offered a generous ransom for his daughter's freedom. The troops applauded the priest, but Agamemnon was not a man inclined to let this uh, let his will be curbed. So he denied Chryses' request and, in an arrogant display of authority, threatened the old man who left the Achaean camp humiliated. So he'd come to get his daughter, who's now a slave, and mm-hmm. Agamemnon was like, nope. Yeah. The best time to address the gods is when humans refuse to listen. So Chryses prayed to Apollo as soon as he found himself alone. He asked the god to let the Achaeans pay through his golden arrows the tears he was shredding, uh, shedding. That is why Apollo, who otherwise is known as the Bright One, on hearing the prayer and learning the outrage his priests had suffered, came down from Olympus, as they say, darker than night, letting his harrows rain on the Achaean camp, which means that an epidemic spread in the army, taking many lives. So Apollo has put a plague upon the camp because Agamemnon was rude to his priest. Yeah, again, this very tepulant. As the plague was out of control, an assembly was called, in the course of which the seer, Colchis, once again, declared that the reason for the pestilence was to be found in Apollo's anger, in turn caused by Agamemnon's insults. These were bad news for the king, who first called Colchis prophet of evil, or called Colchis a prophet of evil. Nevertheless, he accepted to give up his beautiful prize, i.e. the daughter, provided another fresh one was found to replace her. Again, I, I hate how he used the term slave and concubine, because that's quite grim anyway, but a fresh one. He's not... Agamemnon's a bit grim, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's happy. He's like, fine, just, I'll swap her for another one. Yeah, it's like... It's not like... It's not like go, it's just swapping toy for toy. Yeah. You know I mean? and, if it couldn't, and if another one couldn't be found, he said, he would help himself to someone else's prize. FYI, Colchis, he's always right, isn't he? He's actually quite yeah. a good prophet. It's- Because of this threat, Achilles called the king a shameless schemer and accused him of always taking the lion's share and using others to pile wealth and luxuries for himself. Then the king answered by letting Achilles know that, in the same way that Apollo was robbing him of the beautiful Chryseis, he was now going to pay a visit to Achilles' tent and, by taking away his sweetheart, Briseis? Briseis. Briseis, teach him a lesson empowering kingship. Now this did come up in um, Achilles, did it not? When Chryseis was set free, she gave birth to a son, Chryseis, who some say was the son of Apollo, but others call son of Agamemnon. On a later occasion, Chryseis, a son of Agamemnon, saved the lives of Orestes and Iphigenia in Taurus on account of their family ties, for these two were also the children of Agamemnon. So he saved his half-brother and sister, basically. Who, and it's quite funny that this is obviously in the alternate version. Where Ephigenia <laughs> is in Taurus and not dead. I'll save you! Wait, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. The conflict with Achilles put Agamemnon at odds with heaven, for the former was the son of the goddess, who obtained the Zeus the promise to teach Agamemnon and the Achaeans a lesson for the outrage her sweet son had suffered, by letting them, if only for a while, be routed by the Trojans. So... Uh, Agamemnon was also deceived by Zeus, who sent him false dreams carrying the message that victory was at hand and he should prepare to attack. So the gods aren't happy with Agamemnon? No, so they're sending him kind of like uh, losses in battle and also visions, uh, incorrect visions. It was not before the military situation had considerably deteriorated that Agamemnon tried to appease Achilles' wrath so that he could fight again by offering him seven tripods... uh, the seven women, the seven cities, and many other gifts, which uh, included Achilles' sweetheart, Briasus, whom Agamemnon swore he had not touched, an oath that was never been openly questioned. Um, I love how it's like, oh, okay, I need to appease, I need to appease um, Achilles. How am I going to do that? Getting three tripods, you know? Like, <laughs> um, just going back to what we learn about Achilles, is this not during the period of time when Achilles, because of all this, had refused to fight? Yeah, right? he, yeah. he's totally against the fight. Um, but Achilles considered these gifts hateful, for Menelaus's brother had done to him what Paris had done to Menelaus, and it was precisely this kind of outrage the Achaeans had come to avenge. That's actually a good point, I never considered actually. Well, so, Achilles is like, you're just the same as your brother, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, the fact that the reason you're at war is because someone's taken a, a lady away from you, uh, it's, but you've just done that to me, so why shouldn't I be, why am I fighting your war? Yes, uh, yeah. The fight had to be done without Achilles. Agamemnon himself, a brave man, killed many Trojans. However, in spite of all of his efforts, the Achaeans got the worst part, and the king himself was wounded in battle. 
But when Hector killed Patroclus in battle, Achilles came to fight again. So we know about that. We know why Achilles decided to actually... Because Achilles didn't come back because he was like... Because of Agamemnon, he came back because Patroclus had died. Yeah. Achilles called an assembly of all the kings, and it was in it declared that his wrath was over. It's nice say he did a formal apology. It's like, I'd like to do this press statement saying that today, um, officially, my wrath is over. Um, I had a long time to think about this. Imagine doing like a formal apology for your wrath. Yeah. Uh, my wrath is therefore over, and I'm into administration now. <laughs> As a way of expressing how much he regretted his feud with Agamemnon, he even said he wished Briasus to have been shot by Artemis the day he chose her when he sat Lenesus, the city east of Mount Ida, but he felt that because of his refusal to fight Patroclus, whom he loved far more than Briseis, had been killed by Hector. So, to sum up, uh, he wished that he never fell in love uh, with Briseis, because Patroclus would still be alive. Live, yeah. Um, quite a severe reaction to it, though, yeah. but n- nonetheless. On hearing this, Agamemnon declared it had been wrong to confiscate Achilles' sweetheart, but he was not to blame, for surely it was... Eighty, who had been blind, who had blinded his judgment, and every man knows that she is capable of deluding Zeus himself. Well, okay, I think they're blaming Eighty for them having sexual appetite. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, Zeus is like, oh no, Eighty made me uh, have sex with eight women today. Oh no. <laughs> so ended the feud between Agamemnon and Achilles. Some have argued that Achilles is to blame because of his duty was to fight against the Trojans and not to spend a nice time in the company of sweet, sweet girls. Achilles never received Agamemnon's gifts, which meant nothing to him, for soon after he killed Hector, he was mortally wounded by Paris. So, um, the Troy was sacked, and when Troy was taken, um, many Trojan women were made captives, and Cassandra... And we know Cassandra. She's the prophet that no one ever li- can't is right, but no one can understand. She's also a prince, uh, princess of um, she's Priam's daughter. daughter yeah. um, Cassandra was awarded to Agamemnon, who brought to her as a concubine to Mycenae. So oh, he brought that. Cassandra back. Because as far as we're concerned, from last week's episode, uh, we ended when Achilles died yeah. and Trojans. But this is good to continue what's happening to Agamemnon after Troy so has been sacked, he, and he's won basically. Yeah, and basically he took Cassandra as prisoner and taken her home. He's like, they're on the drive back now. Uh, however, in the ten years that Agamemnon was away fighting the Trojans, his wife, Clytemnestra, who is still very angry at him and has not let her hatred die down a single well, he killed bit. both of her kids. Yeah, exactly. She took a lover by the name of Aegisthus. As Agamemnon sailed home from Troy, Clytemnestra was plotting to kill him in revenge for his sacrifice of their daughter. In the meantime, Cassandra who had the power to foretell the future, warned Agamemnon that his wife would kill him. However, the gods, as we both said, put a curse on Cassandra, and though she would make accurate predictions, no one would believe them. True to the curse, Agamemnon ignored Cassandra's warning. He said, um, Agamemnon, your wife's going to kill you when you, br- uh, when you bring me home. He's like, nah, nah. Oh, she loves me. Uh, she barely remembers I killed both of her kids. <laughs> uh, when Agamemnon returned home, Clytemnestra welcomed him warmly and uh, gave him a treatment of a king. And she prepared him a bath in which he could purify himself. After ten years of war, you're probably going to need a big bath. Yeah. As the king stepped out of the bath, however, Clytemnestra wrapped him in a garment or a net that bound his arms so that he could not move. Aegisthus then stabbed Agamemnon to death while Clytemnestra killed Cassandra. It is also said that Clytemnestra herself slew Agamemnon with an axe. Agamemnon's son, Orestes, wasn't very happy about that. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. In the next episode. I have a question, Matt. Yeah. Agamemnon's son, Orestes, is that where we get the word Oresteia? Yes, it is. I think he's going to play an important role in this. Probably the most important role. Yeah. Agamemnon's dead after all that. But his son is like... I'm not sure how I feel about this. My mum and from my mum killing my dad. Well, actually, from what I remember, I believe Orestes is actually. I, th- I think he's currently banished at the moment. He's not allowed inside the city because I think he knows Clytemnestra wants to kill him. So Clytemnestra sends him out. So, but we'll we'll delve into that next That's week. Right. Okay. But that but, is Agamemnon. Yeah. Time. That that is the life and death of Agamemnon. <laughs> 
What do you think this week, Dan? It's a good little, that's a nice little story. Nice little story, isn't it, Mike? That was nice. Tie up a few more things. It's good to see the Trojan War from Agamemnon's side because I did wonder during all the our Trojan War episodes what what he was kind of doing. I know he came in and out of the stories, but and there's a lot of other people we, we've mentioned, but we haven't really delved into. But like Diomedes and Ajax, the bigger, um, bigger, not not the greater, the greater, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> not the bigot, uh, uh, but. Uh, as you know, we always rank these from four categories. Uh, life skills, morals, creativity, and WTF. And we're going to do that now for episode 36, Dan. So, um, life skills, the, the practical things we learn. What do we learn today? We learn how to make sac- human sacrifices and kill your daughter. Yep. We will learn how to... To imprison your brother. How to run a lovely bath. How to run a lovely bath. And then murder someone in the bath. Murder someone in the bath. Um, how to steal someone's slave. Yes, and... How to uh, how to make apologies, uh, but also very very faint apologies. How to um, plague an army <laughs> with arrows. How to piss off the gods. How to piss off the gods. We learn how to. Um, we learn a lot of sailing. We learn how to sail. We learn how to save your brother and half brother's life quite often. Yeah. Uh, we learn. Um, We learned that um, if you can be substituted by a deer for a goddess, uh, uh, we learned uh, that you can be killed whilst uh, you're a king and your brother's in prison. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's quite a lot here. A lot, a lot of murder-based stuff. You a lot know. of murder-based stuff. How yeah. to kill? Um, um, There's a lot of how to kill people. Yeah. Well, um, learn how to uh, be a king from the different kings as well. Yep. I think it's quite good. Very murdery-based. So it's quite. In one area, if you know what I mean. So we lose stuff in other areas, but I think it's quite strong, if you know what I mean. We learn a lot of different stuff. I'm gonna say a six. I think a six. That's the last thing I was thinking of too. Because I think if it's, it's all in, it's all around the same kind of yeah area. Murder, forgiveness, and, and murder. Yeah. It's not. Sorry. Uh, what about morals then? What have we learned quite a lot here? I think this is a big one. Um, we learned not to. Uh, Murder father and children. Not to murder children and fathers. Not to betray family members. Not to take revenge in a bath. Not to take revenge in a bath. Uh, also, don't kill... S- Cassandra didn't have to die. You know what I mean? She, yeah. she was just... She honestly had a quite tragic... Her life's quite tragic, really. Yes. Um, it's also nice to know how she died as well. So, um, um, We also, like, don't... Don't be petty, and just because someone someone stole on one of your things doesn't mean you have to go and steal someone else's. Also, don't murder, don't murder your uh, Tinder. Don't bake um, your nephew and serve it to your your brother. As yeah, well. that's true. That's so, quite grim. Um, look after your family members. Look after your family members. Yeah. There's something to be said in the moral. I don't know how to word it. The fact that Clytemnestra never forgave Agamemnon, and for some reason Agamemnon thought it was going to be fine. Yeah. The fact that he never acknowledged what that might have done to her. The fact that he just killed her kids. Yeah, and he, just, he didn't ever say sorry about it. Yeah. Or he he thought there was no repercussions. Be wary of repercussions. I I guess. Uh, and also, how uh, comes at a cost? That's a big moral thing in this. Um, he killed his daughter. He ultimately won the Battle of Troy, but he lost. He lost. Else. Yeah. He also. Uh, uh, I guess it's the moral is um, choosing kingship over fathership. Yeah, Menelaus managed to quite easily persuade him to kill his daughter because yeah. the king in him was the greedy and wanted power and didn't really care about the sacrifices that made. And I think that's quite a big message. And Agamemnon was always quite angry because calling Tolkus the prophet of evil and stuff like that. Yeah. I reckon... I'm going to go out on a limb here. Maybe a seven or eight? I think an eight. Yeah, let's go for an eight. Creativity. Do you think this was creative? I think it's pretty creative because it really ties up a lot of different loose ends. Because you connect to the Pelops, you connect to the Trojan War, connect to the Oresteia as well. So there's like loads of different strands, and also a Tantalus as well. Tantalus is in this. Yeah. Um, so we, it's kind of like the the it's like the missing link between lots of the mystery we've already done. If you know what I mean? Yes. It's like the final piece of the jigsaw we're kind of pulling in, and but it also stands at its own story as well. I can on the story. Is um, quite grand as well. I think it's quite creative. Again, I think it's got a very good narrative, <clears throat> and uh, and there's lots of different alternatives as well. So yes. um, I reckon either there's some gods in there as well. Yeah, there's gods in there, plaguing stuff, plagues, uh, and also rests with 
Achilles and stuff like that. And some, family uh, members. And also Odysseus and... Um, yeah, it's There's lots of like things cunning. like things like the letters, very cunning. Yes, things yeah. like her running the bath and planning to kill him, yes. very cunning. And uh, and ultimately, they're all fated to have quite a grim end because it's that curse in the House of Pelops. I'm gonna say I may be wrong here. I'm gonna eight or a nine because I think it's it's not. Maybe, Do you wanna go eight? I think eight because maybe not nine. Maybe nine is too much. We'll go eight because it's not like what. But yeah. I think it's quite, it's a good story. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice arc, and we know there's more to come of it as well. Yes. All right, WTF? Um, a lot of be- a lot of infanticide. There's a lot of killing kids. A lot of killing kids, especially the worst ones: baking. Baking your kid and then serving so, it to his dad. That's pretty messed up. Um, st- the fact that they're all ultimately all of this was argu- men arguing over whose sex slave is who. Mm. That's pretty messed up. And uh, and the fact that. The way that Agamemnon treats women as well, I guess it's like slave or concubine. You know I mean? yeah. That's quite grim. That's, that's quite grim. Um, Again, I'll go back to it, the way that Menelaus conv- managed to convince him that it was okay for him to kill his daughter. Also the fact that Menelaus kind of forgot that Helen got kidnapped as well. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. quite messed up. Yeah, killing his daughter, that's the, the worst thing, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, sacrificing his own daughter. Um, and um, the fact that Clytemestra waited 10 years to get revenge and Aegisthus was also in it as well. And... Uh, Oh, the fact that Agamemnon um, refused to give that guy his daughter back. That's pretty messed up. Yeah. And also, I guess, the fact that Agamemnon, he apologises to Achilles for taking a sex slave, but he never apologises for murdering his own daughter. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I never thought of that. Like, the priorities. So his view is that he actually prefers and he respects the... He respects Achilles and that his... Spores uh, of war. Spores... And he cares about Achilles more than his own family. He was out of it. Yes. Yeah. This is way more important to him because he can sacrifice a daughter but he can't sacrifice losing... Achilles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that messed up? That's quite... That's my, I didn't think of that. That's quite messed up. You are right. That's pretty messed up. I think... Um, I think a nine. I just want to say seven because... Oh. Apart from murder, it's it's only. Oh, I see what you mean. Actually, yeah, but then yeah. again, I think it's quite deep. Maybe let's say an eight. Let's say an eight. I know what you mean because we have to give the height. The nines and tens have to be for when there's lots of different messed up things. Yeah. It's not just all centered on like one. Orpheus, because like he went down to the underworld and he got ripped apart. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like whilst there's brutal bits, it's not like OTT. If you know what I mean. Yes. So six, eight, eight, and eight. Uh, so that is three. That is yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, that's, it did better than I thought, actually. No, 28, isn't it? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, 8 times 3 is um, 24. Plus 6. Oh, 24, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I was being an idiot. I was being an idiot. We don't do maths, Matt. Nope. 30, <laughs> that's a high score, 30. The only maths we know is metric versions of uh, kilometres, so... Yeah. So, uh, wow, what, what a lovely myth that was. Um, did you enjoy it, Dan? I did really enjoy that, yeah. And we got uh, some more parts coming up, Dan. More, more Orestai coming up. What's Orestes going to do? I don't know. It's just going to be Orestes. Well, he's found his curse, so he's probably going to kill someone. Don't ruin it, Dan. Um, it's just him and his sister left, then, is it? Or his mum? Uh, Electra, mum. And cousin, yeah. yeah. So, um... We've, we've got all to play for, but Dan, let's um, let's wrap up this mother. Uh, so, uh, why, why don't you tell the listeners, um, don't look at the laptop, but um, why don't you tell the listeners how they can get into us and how many stars they should give us on iTunes. Five stars on iTunes, please. You can go on social media, at Miss Podcast, or you can email us, um, misspodcast at gmail.com. We like to hear your thoughts. Um, if you have any questions about, um, maybe you think we wrongly... Um, Gave the wrong score to a certain episode. Maybe you have some points. Maybe you have um, myths that you would like to read out. Um, please please do get in touch at mythpodcast.gmail.com. We love hearing and uh, we'll obviously give you a shout out. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, social media. Anything else, Matt? Um, yes. Uh, so we would like to finish off by more Peregrine Falcon facts, please. So, uh, <laughs> all right, let me just get in national. I don't know. Why are you Peregrine Falcon facting me? I don't know. 
I just knew that, I just know a few things about the Peregrine Falcon. I don't know. It's not like I, an animal I know loads about. No, but, well, this is this is my new this is the new feature of the podcast now. Every episode, you're going to quiz me on certain animals. <laughs> How long does it take for a Peregrine Falcon chick to peck out of its shell? How long does it take for it to peck out of its shell? As in, like, after being born in an uh, egg, how long does it take for it to hatch? Oh, from, from birth, like, okay, yeah. I see. Not, like, from when it's, once it starts pecking out. How yeah. long? Um, I actually don't know that much about birds. Um, I really, birds is not a strong point of mine. I'm more, <laughs> of a ma- more, of a, point? more of a mammal man. Oh, you're a mammal man. Yeah, I would say probably... Um... 20 days? It's actually 36 hours. Oh, wow, that's really impressive. I know, isn't it? That's really impressive. Um, one more. We'll do one more. Uh, how long do peregrine falcons live for? I'm assuming about 10, 15 years. 12 to 15 years. However, the mortality rate for young falcons is about 60%. Thanks for listening to this. <laughs> I was basically right then. Well, I'll give myself that. 10 to 15, it's 12 to 15. If you want to email them some more uh, peregrine falcon questions. <laughs> I don't know about but I don't know much about but I made one comment you, about a pair of you falcon. You the, the how fast it goes, man. That's that's not a normal thing. Anyway, I, like I say I just know a lot about a lot of different animals, but I don't know lots about one specific animal. All right, well, uh, well, thank you for listening to. Um, we met some new podcast called uh, Yeah Bird. I'm sure if you just name another animal right now, I'll give you a fact about it. We'll save it for next week. Uh, so, uh, hedgehog, they're spiny. You hit it here first, people. Uh, so thank you very much. We'll see you uh, next week. See ya. Bye. Myths. Myths. Myths.